Today's Heavy Strategy is sponsored in part by Collide. You can answer every question you have about your fleet without intruding on your workforce. To find out how, visit collide.com slash heavy strategy. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash heavy strategy. Sponsor Six Connect automates network provisioning in a DevOps-friendly way. Six Connect's ProVision platform delivers workflows, resource management, DNS and DHCP controllers, IPAM, and more, all with an API-first mentality. Find out more about Six Connect's ProVision at sixconnect.com with the number six slash packet. That's sixconnect.com with the number six slash packet. When you're ready. Yeah, I know. Just gathering my thoughts here, man. All right. Welcome to Heavy Strategy, where the questions are sometimes more interesting than the answers. Today, Greg and I are going to be talking about what is a strategic vendor and should you have one? Greg, I know this is one of your favorite topics, uh, <laughs> as is mine. And well, I'm going to go I, ahead. I have a much more combative approach to uh, engaging with purchasing decisions, uh, whereas mm -hmm. you tend to believe more in the lovey-dovey partnership thing. So this is going to be interesting. Yes, this is going to be interesting. Yeah. Uh, first, I want to I want to talk about definitions here because my favorite definition of a strategic vendor came from Alcoa, which is you know enterprise organization many many years ago, which is why I'm using their name. Uh, I asked them if they had a strategic vendor, and they said, "Why, yes, our strategic vendor is Oracle." I said, "That's really interesting. What do you mean by a strategic vendor?" And they gave me the best definition ever, which is, "If we need something, we ask Oracle if they have it." If they have it, we buy it from them and we're done. If they don't have it, we ask if there's something kind of close to it. Can we tweak it enough so it does basically what we need? And if it does, then we buy it and we're, and we're done. If they don't have it and they don't have anything even close to it, we ask if it's on the roadmap for the next 12 to 18 to 24 months. And if it's on the roadmap, we wait and then we buy it. Only if they don't have it, don't have something that can be tweaked, and don't have it on the roadmap, do we look outside the strategic vendor. I said, oh, that's, that's an excellent definition of a strategic vendor, and I think that's what most companies mean. Well, that's a total now, commitment. Why would, that, that, it is. That is an absolute and total commitment to a particular source of supply. Um, that, and I think, interestingly, this would only be possible in IT. You wouldn't do this in, a, in many other businesses to form that sort of relationship and say, it doesn't really matter what we buy. We're going to buy it from this company. Um, you know, if you're General Electric actually, and you're making I, washing I, machines, you wouldn't say. You know, actually, I disagree. Hmm. Um, I have not made a deep study of this, but my understanding of the way, for example, Japanese manufacturing works is it's literally based on this idea that you have a, a closed circle of suppliers and you only buy from them, and if you need something, you sort of say, okay, can one of you guys make this for me, and if someone will figure out how to do it, and they do it that way because it, you get favorite words, synergy. Mm. And in fact, the best, you know, the, the best reason to do this, the benefit is that a whole lot less work getting to know the other organization from a procurement standpoint. You have one process, it's, you know, goes like grease lightning, you know what to do, you can get very you can invest all your time and energy to understanding their strategic roadmap to where they're going. You can piggyback on all of their research into the, you know, into the area, learn from them. And you can, it really optimizes the use of your time and yeah. energy. It, it reduces the cost inside the team because then you don't have right. to have a researching function. You don't have, you know, the people who are doing the work don't have to be researching a competitive market space looking for best of breed. 
and and not for nothing it reduces risk of a certain sort which is not necessarily the risk of doing a bad decision because your strategic vendor could be making a really big mistake but a risk of making a decision that can be challenged mm. let me put it that way mm. so in other words if you're an IT person you know back in the old days nobody ever got fired for buying IBM mm -hmm. which became nobody ever got fired for buying Microsoft which became nobody ever got fired for buying Cisco Mm. it's real the struggle is real here you know if you're gonna yeah. if you're gonna get if you in your job are going to get challenged for making a risky decision on a risky vendor why bother yeah so that's another good reason at a very personal professional level to continue with the strategy sometimes i refer to this as brand purchasing so exactly um and i think there was a time when this type of single source of supply made sense in it when technology was complex often there was very limited skills in the market that you could buy documentation was hard to come by finding professional support was very difficult and having a relationship with the source of you know with some like a single supplier made a certain kind of sense but i think the world has changed because a lot of these companies then didn't really keep up with r&d or their product quality became less than less than top of the market so if you look at say oracle today it would be hard to say that oracle makes quality products to some extent, they become brands. And it's like Levi's and Coke. Why do people buy Coke to drink? Partly because of the brand marketing and the advertising around the brand. And they, it's a trusted brand and people know what they're going to get. Is it the best of, of, its, of its class? No. Well, I think, not, you know? I, I, think, I think one of the big reasons anyone buys any brand, you know, why does anyone ever meet, eat at McDonald's? Because you know exactly what you're going to get no matter where you go. Mm. It's exactly the same thing, which is also risk reduction because consistency means you reduce the risk of, you know what? I don't like yeah. this hamburger uh, or whatever. I, I call that, uh, you know what you're going to get. I think in technology terms, that is compatibility or integration. In theory, if you're buying... Or, or at least in 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 principle, if you're buying a lot of products from a single vendor, at least they should interoperate with each other, or you've got a greater ch chance of them interoperating with each other. And I think interoperability. Well, that kind of, you know, does that make sense? That kind of brings me to my next point, which is you think and I think, but we actually have data from primary research that we've done that is unsponsored data. Uh, we at Nemertes. And a couple of years ago, we did a, a very in-depth study. It happens to be cybersecurity, but I, I think, and my, I will opine that these results actually extend outside of cybersecurity. What we looked at was three different procurement strategies. One was what we call the big rock, which is we have strategic vendors and use them as we talked about. Mm. Second one is the exact opposite, best in breed. Anytime we need to buy something, we create the you know list of selection criteria and we, we buy the best that there is that meets all the selection criteria. Then what you were talking about, Greg, the whole notion of how well does it fit in with our ecosystem. In a sense, ecosystem is just best in breed where one of the selection criteria that is weighted very, very heavily is how well does it integrate with everything else we've got. And then custom is it's it's a very specific we actually work with vendors so that they create a product for us which happens more often than you think in cybersecurity because the little cybersecurity vendors want to get your business so they're very happy to take an investment from you and then build a product for you that they, they can then market quite often they're looking for product market fit and they think they've got a core idea and if you can find a company to buy it 
And if you're early enough in, they'll make the product that you want, figuring that what you're doing is what other customers want. And you may yes. actually get a product closely aligned. That, that's a very difficult thing to do deliberately. So if you're a company that, you know, as a buyer, that's much more of a accidental benefit than a practical benefit, if that makes well, sense. Well, no, I, I disagree because the data says otherwise. Um, mm -hmm. I would say it's a it's a bit of an outlier because really only very large companies can get away with it as a strategy. But what we did, as we do with all of our research studies, we looked, we took some objective measures of success and compared the procurement strategies against success in cybersecurity. And what we found is that ecosystem is pretty successful. In fact, it's it's highly successful. No one no one really reported lack of success here. And custom, when you can get it, works just fine for you. So if you happen to be Fidelity or JP Morgan or General Motors, yay you, go ahead and use that custom strategy. Mm -hmm. What is interesting is the absolute worst is the big rock strategy, the strategic vendor strategy. That 67% did not were not successful with the big rock strategy. And that is telling. But that's one study you could say. And, you know, maybe that's not consistent. Well, guess what? We did another study a couple of years later and we asked the question very specifically, do you have a strategic cybersecurity vendor? Strangely enough, despite the fact that the strategy is horrible, two thirds of organizations said they did. So then we said, well, is there a correlation with success to having a strategic vendor? This time, the news wasn't quite as bad because mm. people said, you know, there was no correlation with success, neither negative nor positive. But then when we dug into it, what was really interesting was that there was an inverse correlation with success, a phenomenally large inverse correlation with success for certain vendors. For example, if you were using IBM as your strategic cybersecurity vendor, you had a 300% lower uh, cybersecurity success metrics. If you were using Microsoft, it was 100% lower. If you were using a couple of uh, Cisco, it was 50% lower. Basically, having a strategic vendor, cybersecurity vendor who happens to not focus on cybersecurity is a terrible idea. Yeah. And sort of more broadly, there's no compelling reason to do it because it doesn't improve your technology stance. And there are very good reasons not to do it, because if you pick the wrong one, it's actively going to hurt your technology stance. So that's kind of my takeaway on strategic vendor. The challenge with endpoint security has always been that it's difficult to scale. And when remote work took over, that challenge got exponentially harder. You need visibility into your fleet of devices in order to meet security goals and reduce service desk tickets. But how do you get that visibility when different parts of your company run on Mac Windows and Linux, you get Collide. Collide is an endpoint security solution that gives IT teams a single dashboard for all devices, regardless of their operating system. Collide gives you real-time access to your fleet's data and can do things that traditional MDMs can't. And instead of installing intrusive agents or locking down devices, Collide takes a user-focused approach that communicates security recommendations to your employees directly on Slack. You can answer every question you have about your fleet without intruding on your workforce. Visit collide.com slash heavy strategy to find out how. If you follow that link, they'll hook you up with a goodie bag just for activating a free trial. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash heavy strategy. I think that resonates, but I think you can have a strategic vendor 
in mature, stable technologies. If you're thinking accounting software or asset management or stock management, warehouse management, distribution, however, cybersecurity is a, is a very transitory moving. You know, we've moved from firewalls to application firewalls, from centralized perimeter security to decentralized to zero trust and identity management and the, you know, the monitoring and the detection and so forth. That I think a strategic vendor in cybersecurity, as evidenced by the data that you're throwing up here, I'm going to give you credit for this data. This is pretty good stuff. Um, it's useful to be able to point the finger and say, I think what it highlights is that a strategic vendor might work in some cases, but not in others. Is that viable? I think that's great. And I love the fact that you've brought out the dimension of maturity here, because I think you're correct. Now, we're back in the realm of opinion. Mm. We haven't actually done this study for accounting, uh, accounting software. And frankly, I won't because that's not Namurti's forte. <laughs> okay. We look at we yeah. look at emerging technologies. I think any area where technology is changing rapidly, you really don't want a strategic vendor. And I would also highlight one of the questions a technologist might ask. It, it sounds stupid, but it's actually very astute, is how do I know it's changing rapidly? And the answer is the number of vendors. Mm. If if you're looking at you know, three to four vendors tops, you got maturity here. If you're looking at three to 400, that's a rapidly changing, rapidly fermenting space, and you should not have a strategic vendor. We pause the podcast to tell you about sponsor Six Connect. Six Connect's ProVision Network Provisioning Platform is a collection of next-generation automation tools. Working with bare metal, containers, on-prem, in the cloud, Six Connect ProVision can help. ProVision is modular and API-first, which ops folks can use ProVision to deliver whatever sort of provisioning platform they need to to make the business they support happy. Okay, I said modular, so let's talk about some of these ProVision modules. There is the resource manager. Track everything from cross-connects to customers in one place or simply tie into existing systems, including external authentication for low-effort automation. The ProVision DHCP controller integrates with several different DHCP platforms and services for hybrid deployments and handles multi-tenancy and detailed controls. And then there's the peering manager. That's a bridge for router configuration and email comms related to peering. Y you get the idea here. We're just scratching the surface to give you a taste of the network automation and provisioning platform you can build with Six Connects ProVision. Would you like to know more? Well, of course you would. And you can do that at sixconnect.com slash packet. That is sixconnect with the number six dot com slash packet. Once more, sixconnect with the number six dot com slash packet. And now back to the podcast. The other area here is technology diversities or product diversity. If you're looking for a new office suite to replace Microsoft Office, you know, aside from the fact that the alternatives aren't very great, the answer there is that that is not a diverse market. It's a solved problem, if you will. Whereas cybersecurity has evolving technologies to address the security gaps. So we're seeing the emergence of uh, machine learning to in log collection to detect security events, seeing the emergence of canaries to detect. In before, we didn't do detection. You know, at best, it was intrusion detection, and that was about it. Now we're talking about uh, XDR, you know, And AI and ML and, and yeah. all the, you know, all the newer technologies being embedded, yes. Yeah, and there's been some fundamental transitions in the underlying technologies that's now being played. So we're now seeing a diversity. So perhaps 
the the canary in that coal mine you know if this is a, a marketplace where there is a very diverse range of solutions with a diverse number of suppliers you don't want to have a strategic supply now let's look at some of the downsides and what this means if you if you know if you're listening to the show and you've decided you know what greg and john are actually right because for once in a blue moon they agree with each other <laughs> um here's what you have to sell to your boss especially if you're working in an environment that has been historically big rock if you go back and say, listen, my technology area is changing rapidly. According to this podcast that I listen to, I need to not have a strategic vendor. What that does mean is you have to have an active and robust technology architecture group in that area whose job it is to stay on top of the research. Certainly companies can help. Folks like Greg and Namertes can help you stay on top of that emerging technology research. But that means you have to budget for us or budget for your own staff to stay on top of that. And you have to be prepared to make decisions that might actually be risky, like putting together an architecture that may not be the optimal architecture because it's so new that nobody's figured out what the optimal architecture is. Hmm. And so now you're out in the land of somebody could get fired for buying, you know, third, third, you know, small company that nobody ever heard of as opposed to IBM. Hmm. But that means from from senior management, you shouldn't venture in this out to this direction unless you have a commitment from senior management that they understand the risks and are willing to undertake them because the outcome is important. Because yeah. this is an area where we don't want to live with obsolete or outdated or highly mature technology because we want a strategic advantage from that technology. I think we haven't really highlighted the disadvantages of a strategic vendor here, although yeah. we've touched on them in other shows. I think we did highlight the disadvantages, which <laughs> is that they reduce your, in cybersecurity, they reduce your cybersecurity stance. So basically, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, they I was, suck. Yeah. <laughs> I think not only do they suck for emerging markets or evolving markets, you know, product or product categories or technologies. However, probably all of those, right? The same would apply to say if you were crazy enough to get involved in blockchain or crypto or Web three, you would not want to go with a single supplier because there's no guarantees right. that any supplier you pick would actually win, right? And if you extend that through to a much more stable marketplace, cybersecurity, it's still evolving. We're seeing new companies emerge. We're seeing something in the order of $15 billion worth of acquisitions every quarter in the cybersecurity space, believe it or not. It's bonkers mm -hmm. how much money is just wafting around inside of that space. The other part about this is that if you commit to a single supplier, especially in an evolving market, your company is likely to end up not only with a substandard security outcome, as we've said here, you'll also end up with bad pricing results because those uh companies are definitely going to be able to stick you you're not going to be in a situation to competitively control pricing or to control the vendor from doing things that don't align with your goals and that's an excellent point and i'll just raise an example from the you know from 20 years ago back when i was young um <laughs> back when mpls first came out actually before mpls came out uh right before mpls came out because it was the integrative network technology a lot of my clients would ask, should I go for a single carrier? And I always always would say, absolutely not. What you want is two carriers, mm. one to carry your voice and one to carry your data and do your RFP every three to five years. And sometimes you swap and you say, carrier A, you now get data. Carrier B, you now get voice. Mm. And that was precisely to, to, to keep rates under control, Greg. And it did work. That is yeah. different for a commodity market exactly. than it is for a solutions market. So again- exactly. You know, there are times when, you know, bandwidth is a commodity, has always been a commodity. And your job with, say, buying bandwidth or servers is to just make sure that you have a mix of products so that you're getting the best prices. The idea that you should have a single supplier of servers doesn't make sense to me. 
um, because it's so really let, so let me just stop and put a, yeah let me put a stop stop and put a stake in the ground here and make a point which hmm. is what we're really arriving at iteratively is the data indicates uh, absolutely conclusively that in a rapidly emerging market you do not want a strategic vendor full stop it it will not give you the best technology or even acceptable technology hmm. we're we're hammering at here is although we don't have hard data on this right this second in our experience, having a single strategic vendor, even for a commodity, is a bad idea because, as Greg points out, you actually lose pricing leverage. So at the very most, you might want to settle on two strategic vendors so that you mm. can play them off against each other. Yeah. And that is that can be challenging, you know, but at this point in the technology cycle, for certain technologies, it's not that hard. Um, this server, that server, doesn't really matter the days of... And this comes back to, I think I think this whole discussion actually would be very interesting to relate to things like HP GreenLake and Dell's mm -hmm. Apex, where they're actually not only selling you just a solution of servers, storage, and networking, and you buy it as a service, and they'll just supply you with something, and you have to accept that whatever they give you meets the requirement. But they're also now selling the apps on top. So if you want to buy a database a, a generic database to be used by a wide range. They'll supply. They'll sell you database as a SaaS. This much storage, this many transactions per second, and they take care of everything else. Um, Dell Apex is moving in the same direction, where they'll just supply you your enterprise IT as a SaaS product. You want this many VMs. You want this much storage performance. You want this much network performance. Okay, and then they'll and preemptively ship you any potential upgrade capacity that's needed. Right. Yeah, and I'll just since we've wandered into the 21st century here, I'll I'll also weigh in that that's this whole thinking what you've just said and what we've talked about previously is driving the enormous momentum behind the multi-cloud strategy which pretty much every financial services firm that I know of has and most non-financial services firms are moving towards. Uh in a in a later upcoming show we'll talk about the challenges of multi-cloud because it seems like it seems like multi-cloud is very simple. If you've already done cloud, you can do multi-cloud by simply replicating whatever it was you did for for cloud A to for cloud B. It turns out that's not that easy. But for the purposes of this discussion, I just want to weigh in on the fact that the biggest downside that we really haven't touched on with not having a strategic vendor is it's not easy and you have to do a lot of work. Mm. And that's actually a non-trivial point because I'm not trying to imply that IT people are lazy or la any lazier than people normally. But what we are absolutely, especially after the past 20 years, is underfunded and understaffed. Mm. Because for the past 20, 25 years, well, 22 years uh, since the dot-com meltdown, basically senior management has been saying, you guys shut up, do more with less and do more with less every year. And we're not going to hire more IT people because, you know, we just need you to do more with less. Mm. And for the most part, we've accepted that because we were at first, we were just super happy to have a job. And then later we just got used to it. And now what we're saying is, guess what? You cannot ma maintain day-to-day -day operations and go out and have this robust architecture and R&D strategy without some investment on senior management's part, as well as effort on your part, because you have to learn about new vendors, get to know new vendors, get to know their procurement strategies, get to know their their high level strategies, get to know their roadmaps. Mm -hmm. And that takes people, that takes time, that takes energy, yeah. which you'll, ha you'll be happy to put in. Most IT people love that part of the job, 
Except not if it's eight hours on top of your 14-hour day. Then No. <laughs> but, it, you know, if the company says, well, we're going to take the best of breed approach, we should have more money left out. We should be more productive. We're producing more results for the company. We're also saving money because it should be a lot cheaper. It, and, it should be. But, yeah. but most senior executives who are not technologists and many who are have trouble connecting the dots. And so what they'll say is, you know, I want I would like a square circle, please. Yeah. Um, or in other words, dear IT team, please put in that effort on top of your regular day because it's the right thing to do and we will save money. Mm -hmm. And that point, IT needs to say, thanks, happy to do it. Here's my rec for five new staffers. If you don't want to fulfill the rec, I'm buying from IBM or Microsoft and we'll live with security. Sorry, yeah. Greg. Well, proven, and Microsoft has proven that its attitude to security is cavalier at best and negligent. Um, at, at, sp speaking at, of which, I know we're going to wrap up the show, but can I just do a little shout out on that point? Because yeah. um, I just want to really highlight that m for many people, there are many people listening to this who are probably thinking, who are struggling with the same decision hmm. that a lot of my clients are, which is in Microsoft Enterprise 5. Um, they are doing everything. They're doing XDR. They're doing all kinds of perimeter protection. They're doing everything. The security is built in. So why do I need these products from CrowdStrike and Sentinel One and, mm. and all these security vendors? Okay, let me answer this in two parts. Number one, the reason Microsoft is building all this security is because it's their products that are insecure. Yeah. Stop and think about that business model. <laughs> let me sell you an insecure product and then let me sell you the security to secure it. Here... <laughs> Here, here is a gas tank. That's exactly oh, right. you'd like a lid for that gas tank, so you're not splashing the gas everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Okay. First of all, first of all, Let that me is sell morally you a fire suppression system for when it explodes, which it will. Exactly. You know, which yeah. it will. That is a morally objectionable stance. And if you look at the price difference between Microsoft E3 and E5, mm. not only is the price difference enormous, but freaking Microsoft has gone out and disabled some of the security features in in E3 to get you to move to E5. I don't understand um, how customers stand for it because it's, it's I, just, I don't either. It's so just, anyway, th and this is thing one. So this is insane on the face of it. Now yeah. let's move to thing two. And the other reason it's insane, because Microsoft itself will tell you the reason you want to go with E5 is security is all built in and it's all a commodity. All our security is a commodity. Now, let me ask you, with all the breaches that are happening, with ransomware up 50% year over year, do you really think commodity security is a good idea for your organization? I mean, that's the worst sales pitch on the planet, and people <laughs> fall for it. I do, yeah. <laughs> if you're listening to this, I hope you started by going, huh, maybe a strategic <sighs> vendor is a bad idea. Maybe a strategic cybersecurity is a bad vendor is a bad idea. And maybe Microsoft as my strategic security vendor is a bad idea given the data. And yeah. given what Jana just said, <laughs> I, I would have to agree. I mean, I've always, I think I said in a previous show, if you're offering a service to your customer as an IT team built around Microsoft products, then you you need to understand that, that your customers probably hate you because the product is so substandard. Microsoft Office does some things well, but overall, Windows crashes all the time, runs badly on a wide range of hardware. Uh, you know, PowerPoint is appallingly bad. You know, all that sort of stuff. Now, whether uh, you honestly, mean, there's there's only know, one good thing about Microsoft, and that's Excel. It's ubiquity. It's in ubiquity. Well, that, but no, yeah. it's you, you, you. Excel is actually a good product, well designed with the mm. minimum of bugs, and I think it was procured from outside. The designer was, was outside yeah. Microsoft. It's the product Everything that sells to executives. Else, it, everything else is rotten. 
PowerPoint is rotten. Word is rotten. Teams is rotten. Teams is terrible. Um, And yet, nonetheless, if you wish to procure from Microsoft, I'm not going to argue about your use of knowledge worker tools and collaboration tools. They're trailing edge. There's an enormous, you know, collaboration tools is an area where you really should not be settling for table stakes. But many companies are and fine, go do that. Mm-mm. But do not do that for security. Oh, that's a big thing. Well, on that note, I think we should wrap up for today. Let's keep this one short and sweet, Jonah. Uh, people can find you over at community.nemertes.com. Do you want to tell people a bit about that? A- absolutely. Please join our Nemertes community. You can hit our, just hit our website at nemertes.com. Click on the community link. Apply on the application just so we know who you are, because once you're in the community, you are allowed to be anonymous. In the relative privacy of your peers, you can you can trust that this is a curated group of folks because of that application process. So again, join us on nemertes.com, click on community, and you'll be right in with Greg and me having uh, having further discussions on the topic. And of course, you can find this and many more fine free technical podcasts over on the packetpushes.net website. Uh, if you've enjoyed today's show, it would really help us if you would tell your friends about it, uh, maybe tweet about it, get something out of there on the social media so other people can find us. Having more people involved keeps us keeps us going and helps us to start, uh, keeps us motivated at the end of the day. And thanks very much for listening. And remember that in this case, the questions are probably more interesting than the answers. <laughs>